a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very good. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this very special episode, guys, we have Dr. Robin McKay and Mira Taylor coming by to talk about weather modification, cloud bursting, all the energies going on, and that perhaps you are the reason that the weather is the way that it is. You're probably way more powerful. So again, phenomenal conversation. Both of the ways to find these incredible goddesses will be located down in the show notes. They've both been on the show before, so check out their independent episodes if you'd like. But here we join these forces to just really melt your mind with this amazing conversation. Y'all are going to love it. But before we get to that, let's talk about some resource links down there real quick. Food Forest Abundance, Opus, the organization for paranormal understanding and support. If you'd like to start your own podcast, highly encourage everyone to do that. There's a new place that we are hosting through called Red Circle, and that link is down there titled start your own podcast. While you're down in the show notes, also check out The Manifestor's Guide. That has absolutely changed my life. Dewey Taylor, he's been on the show, but I cannot brag about this dude enough. Uh, and he has a scholarship offer just for you, the listener of this particular show. And at checkout, there's an even better thing going on there to sweeten the deal. Enter promo code EXPANDINGREALITY, all caps, no spaces, for an even bigger savings on the investment that you are making on yourself. So guys, uh, down there in the show notes as well is going to be expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where links to all of the socials go, all of the Too Hot for YouTube stuff, the lives are replayed there, the merchandise can be found there as well. Also, while you're there, sign up to become an expansive insider. We have a ton of bonus stuff. All of it's amazing. Definitely check out, even on the front page of the website, some of the clips for the episodes that we've released there. They're all up there. So go sign up to become an Expansive Insider. That is a wonderful way to support our mission. We're on a goal here to get a 1,000 members, and we are well on our way. That's all we got for that. So let's get to this incredible conversation with Dr. Robin McKay and Mira Taylor. This episode is actually for Lori Ann, so we are going to throw her the shout out. She wrote me on Instagram and just said, hey, I work with Mira. I just heard your episode with Dr. Robin and I was blown away. And so I said, you know what, let's let's get everybody together and let's hang out. Now, um, before we were um, starting here, I guess, we were just kind of chit-chatting about all the weird energies here. So um, all the ways to find you guys both will be located down in the show notes, of course, listening audience. So... Both of you are veterans, so we're going to skip the introductions, and y'all go back and check those episodes out. I highly recommend that anyway. Wonderful, wonderful conversations. You two are just incredible. Uh, and so, again, to get you guys on together is amazing. I'm just mind blown here already. Now, what we were talking about to catch you up, listening audience, was just the August energies that we're feeling right now, as well as kind of the uh, weather's been doing some weird stuff. The sun, from our observation, has been doing some very interesting things. Uh, Mira was just, um, from her perspective... 
complaining ish, but uh, from my oh, no. perspective, I'm like, oh my God, please, <laughs> please give me this. And she was saying that it was raining every night there. Well, we in North Texas here, where I'm at, has not experienced rain in about two and a half months. Any anything worth anything? We got yeah, a couple I'm, of drops. I'm not complaining because I don't have to water my garden. It's been perfect actually. Right, and, so, and I knew I knew you'd spin it that way, and of course you do because that's you. But I was um, talking about the the fact that we just have not had rain, and we've just been seeing a ton of weird venomous snakes. I've been you know, taking pictures of snakes and looking to identify them, some things I've never seen before. And I think that a lot of things out here are just looking to survive. We're losing, you know, 100-year-old trees left and right. It's just a real bad drought, a lot, a lot of heat, of, you know, 100 plus. And, uh, you know, one of the things Dr. Robin was asking right before we launched here was about, you know, my observation of the sun. So, uh, Robin, what was your question about that again? I was telling you about how we haven't had rain and things are just surviving and, you know, venomous snakes are coming through and biting the dogs and stuff and we're seeing a lot more weird stuff and you asked me what i just asked do you think or are you getting in a sense that there's some manipulations in the weather going on in your neck of the woods perfect and yes uh to and and to that uh, about a month into this drought you know which we're from north texas we're used to heat we're used to it not raining for stretches and that's fine but this one felt different and it did feel more deliberately, intentionally different, like weather modifications going on, some sort of geoengineering or something like that. And one of the observations is uh, not only the sun, which we'll get to, but also that I hadn't seen chemtrailing. So they hadn't been, you know, throwing stripes across the sky that they just say are contrails uh, at all that month. And then all of a sudden now we're in this huge heat spike. We're in this uh, crazy drought. So it has seemed that the observation is, is that it's been super, super crazy heat wise, no water. And then also that chemtrailing hasn't been going on as much. Now I've seen some lately and we've been getting some clouds. So honestly, I was kind of like grateful to see it a little bit, which makes me think there's even something bigger going on. So I, you know, what do y'all think about uh, all, the possibility all of All things that can be used to deficit can be used to benefit, too, is the thing I would say. So some of these things that maybe have been used in a subversive way by particular groups, governments, bodily structures, administrators, don't necessarily have to be used that way by whatever comes to be. Um, if that kind, Does that kind of make sense as far as just, you know, just be, like it's the age old one that everyone who's seen like the Jean Grey Marvel movie will know, which is when he when Charles basically talks to Jean about a pen and he's like, well, there's things you can do with this. You could write a story with it or you could stab the one with it. So, you know, the tools that have been used for things like that are no different. Just depends on the who and the why, I would say, because now you're seeing that there's a potential benefit to at least being able to maneuver weather systems in a way that, you know, makes us more ecologically sustainable, especially in regions like Texas. Yeah. If they were doing that, I would hard agree with you. Now, something that my mind went to as well. Just the potential. <laughs> I, yeah. And I know. And <clears throat> so to me, all, I'm sitting all here things thinking, have full spectrums. <laughs> uh, of course. And, and you're absolutely right. And so, of course, to my mind, then I'm thinking, well, now, now that I feel like, oh, geoengineering's kind of like helped relieve us a little bit because of this long period. And again, I'm not I'm not beyond the Hegelian dialect, the problem reaction. I, I think solution. that that's how it should be used. It's like a it's like a last resort thing, not a like not we do this all the time thing if it were to be being used. I could uh, and, and same thing, but and then maybe not the barium strontium, like the things that we know aren't good for yeah. us that they're spraying. Right. Not, and, not the same things that were used in. um Nazi gas World chambers. War II, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let, let's avoid that. And all oh, the fluoride, yeah, 
not to mention the fluoride and all that stuff, which is just a byproduct that they sold to you uh, and you pay for it to put it in your water to calcify your pineal gland, which is very interesting. But something I was thinking about, about if you're uh, like grateful that they're spraying the sky just so that you can have some relief, you know, I'm thinking the Hegelian dialect on this, right? Problem, reaction, solution. This happens with a lot of things all the time. So perhaps they're purposefully making this super, super hot and something's going on and then they spray you. So you're like, oh, thank God. And then they're like, yeah, hey, we helped because uh, and then now just back this plan and then we'll get to spray you all the time because you wanted it because we caused something to happen with the weather, you know, and harps involved, perhaps They're, they can heat up an area and just keep clouds away from it and keep like they've demonstrated this. Harp has demonstrated this several times. So to my final point on this is what I was uh, getting to here is now I'm sitting here thinking maybe, though. Something's physically going on with the sun. Uh, there has been some people that have observed that, you know, when I was a kid, um, it was yellow and warm, not as harsh and bright. And then now that we're older, and I don't know if this is because your eyes get worse or something, I don't know. Uh, it, but now it seems to be bright, white and hot and in like super intense, almost feeling like electric. It feels like the physical sun, whatever the hell that is, a ball in space or a luminary running around, it feels like that has changed. And so then you might ask, well, then maybe they're just chemtrailing the piss out of everything to hide the fact that that's changed because they don't want you to know it yet. Dr. Robin McKay, what do you think? <laughs> like a big old light bulb in the sky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, in any of these questions that I have about the weather, first of all, I need to kind of contextualize it which is that when I was a little kid, I loved the weather. I grew up in South Dakota and we had lots of snow. We had lots of wind, especially on the prairie tornadoes. I grew up and then I went to college in Kansas. So I had tornadoes and rain, like the whole, and I love the weathermen on the TV weather people I know, but when I was growing up, most of them were dudes. And uh, so I always followed the weather and it was something that I was always really curious about as I developed my, um, intuitive and energetic gifts, what I started realizing is that I could probably assist in some of the more difficult situations that some of the, the weather patterns were causing for people. Um, and I'm happy to give examples of that later, but I want to bring us to the point that when I've seen the weather recently, whether it's in South Dakota earlier this year, I was there with my mother and the wind was so violent and unhinged. I'd never seen anything like that before. The sun in, I spend time on the coast in San Diego. And when the sun sets, there's something weird about it that I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. And I really don't know necessarily what's going on, but I get real curious about what that is. So I, I've been operating a lot in curiosity and also wondering how can people like us be of assistance to humanity if in fact there are some weather manipulations happening, which you know, to me, all signs point to, yeah, there's a lot of weather manipulation happening. Couldn't agree more. And you know, it makes me feel in interested in the uh, intent element of all of this because you know, just like X Men, I'm a huge, huge fan. Uh, Storm, you know, uh, there is that one scene. I believe it was in one of the older movies, but um, you know, she's sitting there, she's having a bad day, and all of a sudden it's cloudy and everything, and and then. Professor Xavier walks out or rolls out rather and says, uh, you know, I thought it, the you know weather called for uh, clear skies today. And she was like, oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. And then cleared everything out <laughs> and changed the weather just because of her mood or disposition. Do you guys think, and this is just open here, I don't know, uh, that our energies lately on a collective have been affecting the weather? Oh, of course. I think that those have always been interconnected energies. 
Um, you know, we've spoken a lot about the fractal nature of things before. Consciousness is no different and how it moves and breathes through the different forms sort of up, for lack of a better uh, word, through the system. You know, it carries those things. Uh, what's interesting is that there, you know, is a mutual convergence there and that just like with emotions within ourselves, you know, when you come to meet an emotion, you say, I am this emotion, you compound it. I think that people can have that compounding effect when we have that sort of, you know, cross collective appreciation of the weather. For example, you know, it gets really dark and dreary out and then just like someone saying I'm sad over and over again their reflection of the dreary weather is something that kind of keeps that mood um, at level with them. But that much like storm, we have a choice in here on whether or not we accept that as, okay, this is, you know, static mood, or we can say, oh, well, yeah, let's try and make it bright and sunny out today. Um, not that that's like going to physically happen for people like that or you know that you're going to be able to change the weather but you might be you know surprised what a lesson is in there as far as being able to perceive an understanding of the collective energy that play through the weather and what they mean for you on a more personal level and the choice points you can make is you know things like weather things like weather are no different than things like tarot to me there's there's plenty of intuit and reading that can come from that as well for yourself and for the larger, you know, the larger community that you're existing in. Yeah, I love it. Dr. Robin, what do you think? Do we affect the weather by our feelings? Well, first of all, I love Storm. I know. When I imagine myself an X-Man, Storm's my, my archetype. And I was, if you saw me looking over here, I was quickly searching for something because I couldn't remember the name of the book. But Richard Bach, of course, is known for that book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. But he wrote another book called Illusions, which I loved. And I started working in 20 some years ago when I underwent my own spiritual awakening. And one of the kind of tasks or, or challenges in that book was to make a cloud disappear. So I remember laying in the sun you know, in the summertime at the at the pool, looking at clouds and with my intention, making them disappear. It was fascinating to see how that worked. I couldn't I still can't explain it, but I do know that we have power in it and in, we have intentional power. I also know that the powers that be on this planet have uh, uh, concentrated power and probably have some technologies that are assisting them in the overarching weather manipulations that are happening. Can we affect the weather? Yes. I think that sometimes um, energetically we're up against some things that maybe we're not fully equipped for, or I don't want to say equipped or prepared, but it just seems like um, maybe it's a David and Goliath situation that we're up against. So can we affect the weather? Yes. Um, is the weather being manipulated for psychological purposes to your point about the the problem solution paradigm that you were referring to earlier i believe so um i think that when we work in harmony with the elements the natural elements that's when we can harness the abilities that we do have to affect the weather to call in rain we know that the the shamans and the medicine people from indigenous um, communities have done so for generations. So yes. And I also think we're up against something that isn't natural. 
I could not agree more. And Rain Dances was on the on the list here. So um, absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, to something you said as well. Now, I do think, and Mira, I know that we've, and we all understand that at, at a level, this is probably all the same thing and everything here is part of us, but also on a sub-level operating here for everyone else to see without that awareness. There seems to be two different energies at play here in this dualistic, beautiful, wonderful place that we got going here. Well, so- yes. Yeah, so there are things that believe that what is not of me everything is source and then there are things that believe that source is separate and so in that belief they they are the thing that is separate basically um so yes to your extent there are things that are separate from source in this reality but basically because of their own personal intention and belief that they are separate from source do you get? Do you kind of get what I'm saying with that? A- absolutely, and so okay. therefore, maybe even a self fulfilling prophecy, like uh, not that they right. really are. It's just that that individuation has made that belief system choice within themselves, and it therefore separates them because belief is just as powerful for them as it is for someone who believes that they are one are one with collective or source or nature or you know whatever whatever emanation you're connecting with to your effect uh, with the shamanism. You know that's. That's another thing that's interesting, too, is that we seem to always want to push towards some material tool-like solution um, when it comes to, like, material world manipulation instead of trusting in sort of that astral, subconscious, collective conscious that people like shamans trusted in where they understood that there were sort of entities, deities, emanations, whatever you want to call them, that manage those things in an unreal way and that we could trust in, in those beings uh, you know that's a much more common belief in places like the east where they still believe that you know dragons are basically who manage the weather at a you know at a faith-based or, or religious level that they truly believe that they're real entities in this that they're real entities not in the sense that you can really touch them but that they are real that they have you know work to do on the other side and that there seems to have been a loss of connection and trust to that sort of work that was actually highly effective and and highly organic and natural within sort of the mind body spirit complex of humanity and earth as opposed to us thinking like let's build a machine that changes these things or like we're going to do it ourselves without asking you know for the connection or assistance to these sort of subconscious uh emanations or deities that we can connect with that people like aboriginals connected with all the time hell yeah uh you're you're a total gene gray by the way um so I you keep forgetting my Scarlet Witch. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that new Doctor Strange is badass. I, I would okay. prefer Vision over the over the crappy love triangle that Jean. Got. Oh yeah, she's kind of a thirst trap for both of them, and she knows it too. Anyway, um, you Vision know, seems nice. <laughs> right. And and one of the one of the things that I've been looking at here with the geoengineering, you know, I've had Matt Landman on. He made a wonderful movie called Frankenskies. I'll actually, it's completely free, so I'll go ahead and look, uh, link it down in the show notes for you guys. Um, but it's all about geoengineering. He did a wonderful, wonderful job on it. So um, anyhow, but whenever we talk about like geoengineering and stuff like that, it it almost seems like this faction that's separate from that says that it's separate from source to play that role here for our evolution and its evolution, if you want to put it that way. Uh, you know, well, I don't been, trust source because they don't trust themselves. So they have to keep making things to fix the things they don't trust. Right. And, and in my mind, it seems like 
it seems like there's like a certain amount of you know magic here that some people have access to. Maybe not everyone, or maybe if you're if you don't believe in it, it's not true for you. That means that you don't have access to it. Or these things, lizard turds running the show, whatever, don't have access to it, and so they manufacture it in a technological way. And we talk kind of a lot about this bifurcation between this transhumanism agenda, uh, you know, them wanting to throw um, a you know chip in your head and all this, and the AI and all of that, and that's an awesome conversation. And then also more of the you know natural way of going about it. I see a lot of people abandoning produce in the groceries and starting their own gardens, getting chickens, things like this. This seems to be like a draw to be less dependent on a system and more independent in yourself. But also there's a system in place here that we're all kind of loosely, you know, the ends are fraying a little bit to it. And whenever you look at things like the weather, the weather affects us so damn much, you know, and you, you you know, this observation of like, oh, well, it, you know, um, is beautiful and gorgeous Monday through Friday when I'm at work. And then on the weekends, it just rains the whole time and I can't do anything outside. And that project's just been sitting there and all of these things and people get stuck in that pattern. And therefore, maybe the weather just repeats that pattern because it thinks that that's what you want. You affect it in that way. And so if weather affects us so damn much, the lizard turds here that can do something about the weather probably manipulate it to their own ends to make us be a loose trap for them or to guide our narrative in a certain way or to, you know, make Texas pretty incendiary right now. People are cutting people off, you know, tempers are a little high and you just do that to an area for long enough and, and it can have some actual physical results on the landscape and the people there, the psychology. So to, to this end, uh, Dr. Robin, I completely agree and Mira, of course I agree because you're both absolutely wonderful and I agree with you uh, that there is something going on here and at a greater level, it's, you know, source expressing itself. But I, I am curious, though, what in your mind, uh, Mira, I think it's source trying to get other parts of itself to remember they really are itself, if I'm being honest. I, it doesn't it does feel like these are things that, you know, while source is trying to love and have compassion, like make the space for reintegration, that it's still the choice point of those particular individuations to want to trust in that process, basically. You know, and, and it makes sense because they have done so many things that are manipulative in a untrusting way, right? That, this, you know, that whole concept of be the change you want to see in the world. It's really hard for these, I think, particular individuations to appreciate that something won't treat them the way they've been treated or the way that they've been treating others. I'm sorry, I misspoke on that. So it's, you know, it's no, it ironically, you know, it's at a bigger scale, but it's no different than the average person in an individual way at a psychological level who has trust issues. You can't, you know, you can't connect to self if you don't trust self and you certainly can't connect to source if you don't trust that, you know, you, that's not going to treat you the way that you've been treating others, basically. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so what do you think, though, uh, weather modification, do you think the government is doing that, Mira? Um, you know, uh, define government. Like, the, And that's fair, <laughs> too. Because, Some oligarch that has a bunch of plans. Because works for them, there's mm -hmm. like government, and then there's government that says it's government that's not really government, and then there's independent contractors that are really the government, but that are independent contractors to protect the government from liability. So, totally fair. Are we including all of that? <laughs> we are indeed. Yeah. Any anything um, uh, like that that has the that's given authority in some way. So, yeah. Taken authority. So I I think that there are quite a few independent contractor systems, uh, especially in the realm of things like studying what that does. That you know the government 
is willing probably to invest in and pay for out of their own interest because even from a military defense uh level you know there's an understanding of what military that what weather manipulation could do for military for example so i could see where maybe our military would be investing in that um but that they probably would be doing it through independent contractship and not uh you know that that no, it's not directly the government doing it. Um, I would say, you know, I live I live near a place called Mount Weather, um, which is in I think Bluemont, Virginia, and it's uh, right next to like uh, DARPA and sort of the weather monitoring systems here. And I will tell you, you know, it's it's kind of obvious sometimes where things start, as far as the weather goes. Like if you're paying enough attention on a daily basis, you can see where things emanate from. And move, and move from uh, in my area anyway, um, and it's usually from pretty close to that to that region or that that space near us. So it definitely you know it's something that can occur, but it's also something I realized that you know they are probably studying from the perspective of thinking, wow, this has military implications that could be pretty big, which is true. Now, granted, is that really what we could be using it for instead of like? How do we make it rain more in Texas or the Middle East and reestablish forest lines and the ecology of the planet? Because that would be awesome <laughs> if they used it for that. And there's every there's every possibility of it being able to be utilized for that. But you know, right now I think it's mostly from the standpoint of how do we like figure out what this does to human minds in particular communities, because from a military perspective, that could make a huge impact um, if you're working with an inside of another nation, even, for example. Yeah, it's just like a pen, right? In the uh, Jean Grey example, it's however you use it. And, uh, you know, it would be nice to just kind of trade off like they do with telescopes every now and then, those huge telescopes. They'll be like, hey, we're going to have it from this time to this time. Okay, you guys do your weather modification for, um, you know, uh, military purposes. And then we're just going to go make it rain in Texas for a few hours because I really, really, really need it. Uh, and, you know, it's not lost on me that the fact that we feel that we need it perhaps is why it still hasn't happened yet. And so my wife and I have same thing for about a month now. Uh, again, it's been about two and a half months. For about a month, we've been like, no, we don't need rain. It's fine. Um, we don't need it at all. Just doing the reverse so psychology thing. Here's the PSYOP experiment that would maybe benefit this, which is that if they gave false news that it was going to rain to the entire region and saw what happened this is this has actually happened which has been hilarious um there has been one day that it was like 30 percent chance and so yeah and well and so we were all like yeah hell yeah 30 something percent chance that's the most we've had in forever and even when we have like a 15 percent chance we're like hell yeah hell yeah and uh just for the audience here, because a lot of people don't know this, actually, um, that the percent chance isn't the percentage of chance that it's going to rain. It's the percentage of that area that's going to get coverage from rain. I know that sounds weird, but that's what oh, the Oh, so that's like made. the percentage they put on milk, right? Where it's like uh, yeah, not really 2%. It's <laughs> right. like... Point zero zero. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I've been listening and, and listening to my guides as I'm... So I'm listening to you and it occurs to me a couple of things. One is that, isn't it interesting how for most of us, and even I find myself falling into this as well, we feel that we're at the mercy of the weather. Mm. We can always make sense of the weather. We can say it's a drought or we can say it's really hot. I just talked to my mom yesterday up in South Dakota. She's like, it's a hundred today, but at least it's not, at least it's not storming, at least it's not. And we make, it's like we make the best of bad situations because that's how we've been trained for generations to look at the weather as something that is out of 
and beyond our control. In fact, I, maybe I'm off on this, but I feel like that that's the one thing in our world that's continues to be the thing that most people would say is out of our control. Yeah. So, and it's not that they're not, it's not that they're not wrong about that, especially with the talk of the geoengineering, but there is something to what if, what if we collectively, because I'm always looking at how can we help humanity with this? How can we ground this and bring it into something that is useful in terms of our daily operations? What if we started expecting and, and commanding something different into our lived experiences other than I'm at the mercy of the weather? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of this I comes from more orthodox and Christian belief systems that are pretty distortive, which turned weather into the wrath of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that, this, that the weather was the hand of God by which we were punished for centuries. That's where that, that's a, that has been subconsciously beaten into a lot of minds um, of that more orthodox mindset for you know, a couple thousand years now, basically. And it wasn't just them, you know, a lot of Anglo-Saxon belief systems were like that too. Even, you know, I have respect for, um, you know, the Celtic and the Gaelic traditions, but a lot of even the runic understandings had to do with, you know, how do we protect ourselves from the weather? Uh, but there were a lot of traditions and societies and, and religions and faiths that also played into the understanding that we are nature, that weather is nature and that we are that we are the weather that we can, and you know, that that's where a lot of these uh, rain men and rain dancers and actually most native American um, indigenous dance has to do with embodiment of weather or asking, you know, basically the, the, the larger uh, emanation or arconic energy that is like storms in the East uh, to come in and, and basically to handle something uh, on their behalf. So it, but yes, you're right. We have basically gotten to this point where what the weather was that striking hand of God for a long, long time. And so I think if people can, you know, one, devoid uh, or dissect away from thinking that weather and God are one and a punishment, and two, that it's separate from us, that it's some separate thing using it as the wrath to, to you know, harm us. These are subconscious belief systems that people basically have to like very intentionally deconstruct and, and build anew so that they can, you know, they can manifest that perception or reality for themselves. But the deeper it's embedded in the subconscious, the more it's going to take each person to, you know, imbue a new sense of belief intentionally that can override it. So we can be one with things like the weather again. So we can feel that, you know, sort of that natural embrace. Like I've been feeling that more now with, with, the way the rain's been because i'm like wow i don't have to water my garden this is wonderful like oh it's been really dense and humid today wow this you know this is relieving now it's good um, for your skin yeah exactly <laughs> so you know i think there's choice points that need to be made here too and part of you know even though uh you know the greater i would say results of even what you talk about brandon in your area is that there are a lot of people who are going to learn how to make mental choice points Mm. Uh, or evolve and adapt due to what's happening because of the necessity for it, unfortunately. But sometimes the universe makes you uncomfortable because you need to move, right? You move. So, well, I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna vote if I were a voting member of this quorum today that we make it rain in Brandon's area just Thank because you. we can. Just yeah, you know, I was. I, I I love this because I always take and when I teach this to people too, I always take a real playful and curious attitude to what can we do with the weather. So we were in San, we were in San Diego 
for a couple of weeks. We because I live in Scottsdale and it's a million degrees here most of the summer, and not really, but it seems like it. And so we go to the beach and it's cloudy and 74 the whole time. In fact, it's chilly at night. So I always say to my husband, remember when we get back to Scottsdale that we were cold. Please remember that because it's easy to forget. So we were sitting at a restaurant on Sunday afternoon having lunch and we're sitting outside and the sun starts beating down and the restaurant is so new that they don't have the shades to pull down. So I was sitting there and I was like, I would really like a cloud cover. Well, sure enough, within about five minutes, the clouds came in, covered up the sun so that I could, do I dare I say that, so that I could enjoy my outside experience without the sun beating down on me. I guess I just said that. Yeah. But the clouds stayed throughout the afternoon. And I was like, maybe I need to get a little bit more precise with my requests. The interesting thing about that was, though, that a couple of days later, we headed back to Phoenix and the clouds followed us. And for the last week, today's, I think, the first sunny day we've had in about a week since I've returned. The temperatures have been lower. And it was such a pleasant experience to come back into this uh, this hot zone with cloud cover and to be able to allow the re-entry to be much less brutal than it has been in the past. Yeah. I like that. Oh, idea but I always, I with- always operate with curiosity and can we have fun with it? I love that. And same, same these, uh, I like the idea of you going on vacation, then bringing weather back with you. I think that's awesome. <laughs> like you tow it behind. People, you know, oh, people going, say that all the time too, right? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The weather I brought back it with me. me. Yes. But it, it's actually, I think that there is something to that that we get to start paying attention to. And it comes to working with the natural elements versus this, you know, the geoengineering and, and the things that are, maybe more difficult for us to be in control of or in command of, but with the natural elements, they want to support us. They want to play with us. They want to engage with us. Yeah. And I to your know. point, they're not, they're not the wrath of God. They are the natural elements. They are here for and with us to bring beauty and um, remarkable experiences to this plane that we're living on. Absolutely. Yeah, I think awesome you know, th- this that. like really put the, that together for me, by the way, actually, I'm very thankful for this conversation because I'm starting to realize like a large apportionment of, of a certain scriptural text is all about how God uses nature to punish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> think of the bears, uh, the, t- the boys that were making fun of the, the priest and he sent uh, bears to mar- maul 42 boys two young men and kill them and so yeah nature has been this uh think of the flood think of i mean it's a great appropriation of the of the concept but you know just like anything else us not being able to control the weather would be like the greatest psyop ever just like they're not telling you what you really are or what this place really is and uh so when you when you look at it like this now i'm even more fired up now now i, I see it as something that doesn't want to that the whatever in power doesn't want us to realize just like all the other things that we're figuring out. And now I'm just super pumped about it because the cloud bursting was a great example. Uh, and that's been something I've been playing with. And a lot more people have been playing with it as well, as well as just the observation of the celestials around us, whatever they are, like the moon seems to be tilted off axis. It seems to be rising and setting in a different p- position. The sun is really far North and it has changed color and temperature. And so, I mean, all of these things we're like seeing the natural world. Now to what you said also about, you know, like what, 
what the lockdowns were, probably for shadow work, all that good stuff. This reality has a way of kind of steering us in an uncomfortable way so that we move, right? We were just way too cool and complicit. The Real Housewives, whatever, was way too dope for us to get off the couch. So it said, and Corona. And so then everybody's, oh, and then we move, right? And so to think about it this way as well, Everybody, just like Matt Landman, the great work that he's doing, calling out geoengineering, maybe this is one of those things. It's like, hey, we're showing a spotlight to something you really do have a lot more power over than you think you do by polluting that area and y'all wishing that it was different. And now by you doing that, now we're having this conversation. It could be just like an indicator. It could say, hey, you guys need to focus on this and we're going to spray the skies until you figure it out. I don't know. Well, some a, a genuine communication or rapport to that effect would probably be good for the American people, but yeah, yeah. I don't Maybe think yes. you're getting that. <laughs> so then, these are yeah. these are the things that I pay attention to on the beach. This is last year. I'm going to flash this picture up here so you can see it of the sunset. I love watching the sunset. Mm. My husband took this picture and look at the sun. See how badass it's square. It's like a movie screen, dude. <laughs> It's like a white movie screen. Isn't that weird? And so anytime I think, isn't that weird? That's kind of my signal that, yes, it is weird and it shouldn't be that way. And to your point, Brandon, about how the moon is looking and how the sun is looking and all of these weird things that are happening, it doesn't, it does feel as though we're in a movie. Yeah. Rather than in, I know that we're in reality, but it th there's an awful lot of things going on right now that are that have created the conditions for me to question everything about what I believe to be true. Yeah. So I, I have these two theories, which is that one, the tower of Babel is already happening again, which is pretty much true through, you know, just the mass amount of spectrum of conspiracy theories that are available to people and the mass amount of lack of consensus that that has the availability to create has this like tower of Babel effect me. Cause at the, up until this point, I don't think people will really understand that the structure of society has been created by like, the structure of collective consensus belief systems to a certain extent too. So the more those get kind of like deconstructed and, and like flattened, the more flat we are probably going to feel until they're like rebuilt again, um, for lack of a better word. I've, I've thought about this a lot because there, one, the Tower of Babel thing is definitely happening. You know, it's not some real tower somewhere. It's basically just it is in a sense because it's the internet it's people's access to all these sorts of storylines and information and and what the truth could really be or that you know just the opening of the mind can can be a little bit dangerous but that you know it's important nonetheless and then the other thing is that the flood is basically happening which is that it seems as though a lot of ethereal or aether like energies spiritual energies that maybe had been dammed up for a long time got released and have sort of flooded general humanity because there have been a lot of people that have been having really strange and eye-opening spiritual experiences over the last two and, two and a half years and been finding a lot of parts of themselves and i've just sort of realized like wow there is a lot of spiritual presence on earth and amongst us that was not feeling like it was there two and a half years ago or three years ago um, before this stuff happened. I remember when it first happened, one of the very first weird things that I experienced was I would be in a car and I would be driving and I would literally feel like the pressure change, mm. not, you know, like through the area that I was driving in to the point where it would be like, wow, my legs feel heavy now. Why, you know, why is that happening kind of thing? Now that's dissipated a lot, but 
I just think that there was a lot of stuff that, you know, they sort of talked about not to bring up that particular um, political arrangement or party, but that whole idea of draining the swamp. You know, the swamp is actually something that is a metaphor or symbology for uh, esoteric energy. So to kind of have let all that stuff loose, it's all stuff that we should have been able to interact with and know uh, as human beings, you know, and that I think was known for a long time by most indigenous people, but that now that it's returned, it's kind of like a lot of people are just having to figure out how to swim uh, in the spirit world again, that it was something that maybe we weren't given as much of an access to um, in this nation, especially up until maybe, you know, all of this stuff happened. Learn to swim. You know, I yeah. Well, to your effect, take some deep breaths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it does feel like uh, you know, and and I look at this two ways. So what you said that basically, like maybe perhaps uh, it is exactly what you said. And I, I love that. But maybe it's also that we are collectively just kind of raising in frequency and vibration to where the things are always there. It's just now we're kind of at an altitude, if you want to put it like that. I know we're not fans of hierarchy, but it's just the way the easiest way to explain it, things. You have to use something spatial. Right, spatial. There you go. <laughs> uh, and so now we've kind of risen to where they are. So it's kind of like what they talk about contact, uh, you know, uh, ultra terrestrial contact. Um, is what Hal put off is calling them now. So I dig that. Um, and then you have uh, things like, you know, your vibe and manifestation and attraction. All of these things have to do with the state that you're in or what you resonate at. People talk about the Schumann resonance all the time, the frequency of the earth and it going nuts and the sun hitting the earth, whatever the hell that thing is. And so we've kind of energetically, collectively been raising. Now we're you know, dragging a bunch of people up too that don't want to go, but we're kind of passing through screens or filters that maybe have always been here, but we haven't been at the vibrational capacity to witness and to get acclimatized to them, just like getting in cold water. You just have to one foot first or just yeah. jump in, right? So it's not going to just, and ghosts and shit are running around. It'll kind of appear like this, right? The weather will start getting interesting. Uh, you'll start seeing a lot of the breakdown of the systems here, like what we've been talking about. And it feels like that this is, again, kind of like this push forward for all of us. It's an opportunity for everybody to just look around and just go, okay, something's going on. Now we are learning to swim. This is a completely new pond that we're in right now, and it's exciting. Um, but then, you know, how do you navigate those waters uh, while still trying to, like, have a job and raise a family and stuff like that? Dr. Robin, what are your thoughts on that? And do the laundry. And do the laundry, right, yeah. No, yeah. it just doesn't get done. You know, telepathic uh, into the thing. We can't do that the yet. Steam, the steam sanitizer option on the dryer. <laughs> there you go, yeah. there you go. You know, I've been looking a lot at just jumping timelines and acclimating to new frequencies. And yeah, how do you keep your feet on the ground and keep functioning as effectively as possible with all of these things going on in the higher in the higher elevations of frequency the the faster moving frequencies and i don't i think that energetic and spiritual practices are becoming non-negotiable i think that that's the first thing i don't think that i may have shared this on the last episode that i was on but it bears repeating this this idea of uh, cognitive cognitive experiential self theory when you have a new experience, when you have an unusual experience, when you see the sun on a on a picture and it's a, a rectangle rather than round or whatever it is that you're looking at, you actually have a choice in those experiences, either to integrate it into your personal schema, the way you see the world, or you reject it. 
And as long as you're continuing to integrate these new experiences and just let them be what they are as part of how you understand the world, I think that that's how we continue to be in this world, but maybe not of it, or to function as leaders without being lost in the the potential healing crisis, the potential shock and awe that can sometimes accompany new awarenesses that come into our fields. Yeah, hell yeah. So does that make sense? Absolutely. No, it, it does. I did a post recently about, you know, so I work with wellness linguistics a lot with people and it has, you know, very much to do with even the subtleties and differences that can occur between words and what they mean from a belief standpoint for us and, and how that belief then shapes things. But basically, to your effect, having the understanding of the difference between indifference and impartiality, that, you know, that's something I practice a lot is that if I have one of those moments where I'm like, this feels like it's telling me something, but I, I am not sure I'm in the mindset of how I want to like deal with it yet, I'll affirm to myself I'm impartial this information so it can just you know that way it's not rejecting because rejecting still brings it back to you at some point like whenever you reject that sort of information you're still attaching a sense of emotion to it because you've attached a sense of judgment to it um instead of like being able to be impartial and discern okay i'd like this thought to just keep you know passing on by uh basically but that you know people the availability for people to be impartial seems to be something that's been lost. Like I've even thought about this as far as how the art of debate has kind of been lost over time. And it's a beautiful thing. Like debate is this beautiful thing, but we can't do it anymore because people are so easily offended by, you know, a, a difference of opinion instead of having that availability to observe another perspective and be impartial to it, but still retain a respect for your own and and the other person's it's actually something i really appreciate about all of your um all of your podcasts and and collectives and groups you put together brandon is that there seems to be that presence available that we can uh, you know agree to disagree on things but everyone's like wow new perspectives this is amazing <laughs> that's it and and dr robin just like you said whenever your things like that pop up in your life it's almost like a checkpoint for the universe it's like okay are we going to go left or right are you going to this is going to either challenge or reinforce your beliefs and it's it's up to you to figure out what you want like there's no wrong answer right i love that analogy of the fruit tree like at end, at the end of every branch on a fruit tree yeah they go their own way and one's way over here and one's way over there but they all bear fruit right there's always something nice at the end of it so you can't screw this up really but what i like about this is that it does it's it's like okay do you want to you know continue playing for this team or do you want to you know see what the other team has to offer and you're like man that i don't know that picture that sun she showed yeah i signed square. up to be a ref i'm yeah. done playing see and, and then that's, i think inevitably you get to that <laughs> point but i think you are definitely more on the fringe side for sure like if you had to label you in a 3d 5d dolores cannon category you'd definitely be all kinds of 5d dude but it's in when when navigating it this way though it's very very fun and interesting if you allow yourself you know that that time because really once you reach those points you you have to make a choice it either again reinforces your belief system by you just going no no, no, no. it's an optical illusion uh robin that's a thing you it's photoshopped you know that's so easy to fake these days i know a guy that can do it for five bucks whatever and so that only reinforces that idea or you just go damn i don't know that that's pretty damn square that looks like a portal or like a garage door a hanger yeah. opening to or another just, reality wow, in I, your mind. i'd like that to be real yeah yeah, yeah like, just for funsies it's not real yet you know what wow thank you for this resource material i would like that to be real it's yeah that's not like people need to start looking at it from that sense too it's not just you know 
deciding whether or not it feels real or not. It's do you want this to be real? We're kind of, you know, I think in a pretty collective level right now, we're getting choice points about how we shape reality. And people, I think people are a little bit scared of it, honestly. But well, so, they're scared of it because <laughs> they're scared. I think that we're scared of our power to shape reality because it requires responsibility and commitment to doing so. So no longer are we able to place a blame or the responsibility on somebody else, the powers that be, God, whoever. Instead, we when we reclaim our own sacred autonomy and we say, okay, so um, it's my, this is my reality and this is how I'm choosing to shape reality and to co-create with God, the universe, whatever, however you want to phrase that. Um, there's a there's just a big sense of responsibility, and it's scary because that's the thing that we've been kept from most of our lives as well. We're always supposed to do the thing that somebody else tells us to do, that mom tells us to do, or dad tells us to do, or the schools. If I want to go to school, what do I have to do? Or the government, what do I have to do in order to be a good citizen? So when you're reclaiming your sacred autonomy, that is when I think that you come into full responsibility and ownership of yourself as a as a co-creator of your experiences. Yeah, hell yeah. And you could see another indicator for this because of the social credit system that they're rolling out in China, that they're threatening, that they're going to bring here, whatever. Um, but it's it's that idea that, well, you have to do exactly what this says that you have to do with facial recognition software, with penal, uh, penalization of all of your friends and family not hanging out with you, getting divorces, getting fired because you like smoked on a bus or something, you know what I mean? Or whatever, accidentally littered, something like that. It just tanks your whole life. It's the, It's that like fitting into this mold and if you don't you're you're fucked and it's that squeezing that's bringing everybody out you know there's a lot of spillover occurring which is wonderful again it feels like another mechanism of this place even though it's uncomfortable it's something we wouldn't like to see you know ideally we wouldn't we wouldn't like for us to have to learn that way but that's the way we have to learn and so therefore it's necessary um but you know and to Mira, something you said earlier about the cultures and geographically specific, it just made me think of the example from uh, Peter Shampoo and I had him on about the pyramid versus circle cultures, right? And so this yeah. is like this, you know, endemic culture mentality. So if you're in the northern climates, right, or perhaps where all the people have collectively agreed that it's going to be bitterly cold for a certain amount of time, then, you know, you're in this survival mode. So it's this top-down pyramidal structure. You have some hierarchy and some level telling everyone what they need to do for, so that everyone can survive. In circle cultures, which circle the equator, which are in where the indigenous people have just decided that the land is plentiful, that they're part of nature, and that it's abundant, it it is so. And so it's like, again, even like this duality with our climate regions, you know, our temperate zones and, and personality types and even belief systems and cultures all based on the weather. And, uh, you know, or again, even language, you know, that I would say those drier, colder regions, people speak a drier, colder, you know. Yeah. Draw. Um, there's like, you know, but yeah, it's yeah. pervasive for yeah. certain. For certain. And in the North, you know, like I talked to Jay Hennehan, I love the hell out of him. He's from Massachusetts and he's just sharp. He speaks with points, you know right. what I mean? And I'm Southern. So we speak with rounds and drawls and. Well, and you're nice stuff. and well, not right now, but, you know, humid and warm and. Yeah. Up here we have a dry <laughs> heat, which is, I guess, like you, like you, Robin, in Scottsdale, it's a dry heat. And I hear that that's good. But again, it's this consideration that we have for something that's, you know, extreme and, and not comfortable. Right. right? And so, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, so that's interesting, just about the cultural mentality um, based on, again, climate and stuff. So let's uh, get back to the sun real quick, because I'm just super curious what you guys have to think. Uh, Dr. Robin, what do you think about the sun? Do you think that it's changed? Do you think it's the same? What What's going on with that? I had an existential crisis about three months ago where I, I was like, is anything actually real? <laughs> Oh yeah, and I share this. I share this because I think <laughs> it was like that once a week. Yeah, I like, like, <laughs> yeah, am I really, am I really like Free Guy? The you know the Ryan Reynolds film. Is that no. really what's happening here? Or is this Matrix or what is this? And so it really has brought me to a place. You guys, there's a Roadrunner right at my in my courtyard, Take a right at this moment. Take a picture. Okay, I love. Oh my God, he just he just ran into my window. Oh, he thought he was another. And then my handyman just came through the door too. Wrangle was followed or was preceded by the Roadrunner. My God. Oh, we should look that up. They're What's all, that an sorry. Sorry. Hold on. I don't know if I can get him. That has to be Squirrel. an Omenoff. I have, I have, I have a book very specifically on my shelf that, uh, all right. He's gone, but that, that was weird. They're not as big okay. as they're on the cartoons. I don't know if you guys knew that. No, yeah. they're, but they are like, they're like Raptor, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, birds are so. I always, I always look at what are what are the synchronicities, what are the serendipities, what like that is something that that was that was either a glitch in the matrix or a synchronicity, and probably both. So, is the sun real? So early in my training uh, in shamanism, this was twenty years ago. I worked with somebody who taught me how to contact and work with the four columns of light at the center of the sun. I thought at the time it was our literal the sun that we see on the Earth plane. It's actually the four columns of light in the the central sun, the heart of God. Cool. And so I had to shift my perspective on what that was because whatever this is in the sky right now provides light and heat and is part of the system that we're working in it pains me to say because i'm a science girl from way back but it pains me to say that i'm i'm not certain i wish i were certain i wish that i could trust what i was taught when i was a kid i wish that i could trust the uh the education and training that i've had my whole life i yeah, so th this is one of those choice points for me. Would I like the sun to be real? Yes, I would. So I'm going. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I want that. But I want that. But I have to question. That is the power of this plane. Don't let yourself be pulled away from the things that you should believe in, because that's a part of that system too. Like, I, I the the power to create belief here in this dimension in this mind space is a very powerful middle thing we are kind of the middle of things and so you know that's why i say it's choice point with things but yeah, don't you also think that just because here's where i've landed is what's like in harry potter after spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't read that i can't imagine that you have somebody who has not read harry potter but maybe <laughs> uh, after dumbledore it's actually the most banned book in the world so it wouldn't nice. be after dumble after dumbledore dies and harry's knocked unconscious and he meets dumbledore in his dream state he says to dumbledore is this real and dumbledore says just because it's occurring in your mind doesn't mean it's not also real and where i have landed on all of this is this is the 
plane that I am on and whether or not that sun is real is less important than the relationship that I can have with it. The work that right. like you've got I, can I'm do not, I don't want my solar plexus getting going out and they are correlated. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. Me. So so we have to look at what's the value of this, even if it's not what we were led to believe. What's the I, value I of it? Is it that, still a value? I think yeah. we're all seeing those changes because at a collective level there are Craft tons of people who are questioning whether or not the sun is real. And that's a powerful thing in and of itself. You know, that I, I've thought about this, that if at some point, you know, we don't we don't fully know what we're in. We know that what we are experiencing, even at a scientific level, is illusionary. Doesn't mean I'm not here for the magic show. I'd like I'd like to enjoy it, right? But you know, it doesn't change the fact that there are some things that need to be sustained basically by us from so it turns out the roadrunner is also here for the magic because the roadrunner is um let me find this here he's clever humorist and a trickster and oh. so it's something around having great courage strength and stamina showing moxie while hunting illustrates wisdom no matter the size, Roadrunner uses a clever strategy by jumping over its prey back and forth, exhausting it, which aids in the Roadrunner's victory. Huh. Or you're getting very close to the truth and all birds are government drones and birds aren't real. And so that was a government well, drone they are reptiles. to spy on you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. People forget <laughs> that. that. Birds are reptiles. You know, that's I always think it's kind of funny when people like are praying to the angels, but also worried about the lizard people. Yeah, it's meant it's it's done like that on <laughs> yeah, purpose. Well, obviously, angels are lizard like, people too. <laughs> if you're yeah. looking at if you're looking at science, you know that is technically where they came from. It absolutely and, fits the narrative because it has to because the snake in the Garden of you know Eden and all that good stuff. And that was another one, Garden of Eden. Well, weather I, was perfect. I think that's the narrative everyone's ready to like. Oh yeah, let go of too. Yeah, and what I like about the what you said um, about you being young and and going on a scientific path is actually they against their you know, better, I guess, intention, they did send you on a tremendous scientific path because now you're dependent on your observations, not what fits into a box that's been, you know, accredited and acclaimed, which we know is, you know, mostly nonsense. There's definitely some truths in there, but as far as structurally and all of that, it, it definitely hides a lot from you. And so really, it seems like now you're, you know, question because you're in such a place of, I don't know, that's the most scientific in my mind that you could be is because now you're at that curious investigative, you know, kind of vulnerable oh, yeah. awareness state and yeah. trusting your perception oh, yeah. and dis discerning truth. I yes. learned this from one of my dear teachers that truth has a frequency. And so when you are crystal clear about who you are in this world, then you can just make the observations. And I'm going to go with the second your interpretation of the roadrunner getting too close to the truth and it is reptilian it had it came and banged against my window to get your like, attention not in a like not in a kind of way I don't, I don't mean to make them the bad guys in that sense i just think it's funny to forget them 100 percent. yeah because government like, lizard turds most of them birds, are predatory lizards. and they came from reptiles. <laughs> so. and, and I love it because it, it did. It walked just up. Just question the angel people because anything that's like so, ah, that it draws you in and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. I can't help it is also something that is technically predatory by nature. Like when you when you look at nature, um, the things that hypnotize you are so beautiful. You can't look away are also the things that are usually uh, 
using that as like a predatory mechanism. Yeah, that term deer. <laughs> yes, in the I have headlights. thought about this way too much, but it's because I was like trying to open up my mind and see the spectrum of potential on those things and just that 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 whole book, that whole narrative, especially as I've gone through, you know, re-understanding from the Gnostic sense and approaching that understanding, you know, of oneness with source versus source like omnipresent separate. It's just really brought a lot of that stuff in those narratives to attention, which is sort of, you know, it's just sort of been fascinating. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, you know, um, like I said, it worked, you know, the bird walked up, it got your attention and, um, you know, now it's part of the show. So, uh, welcome little roadrunner. It's cute. Totally distracted us. It was a little distracting implant over there. It tried Well, that's all trickster. That's all tricksters are usually trickster. Right. It's distraction. Yeah, that, that's an interesting archetypal arrangement too. Is the concept of the trickster god being the head of many of the pantheons, um, as opposed to you know the wise woman that was present as you know as Mother Nature basically for a lot of these indigenous tribes that uh, were willing to connect with that as source as compared to trickster god who's just full of distractions. I, I kind of feel like that's what's going on here, especially with what we were talking about, about observation and discernment. I think that is what time we're in right now. We're in the time to where authenticity is king and your uh, discernment and your own observation are what are the most valuable. And the more authentic you are and the more observant and curious you are, the more valuable you are. And this is this is where I think that we are right now. And it's because of these trickster god archetypes. It's because of this nonsense. And we're just we're we're fucking over it, dude. I mean, that's just, there's no other way to say it. We're over it. And, and so, um, Mira, what do you think about your observation versus reality when it comes to weather? Just cause I'm curious. Uh, more specific, please. So people tell you this place is this place. It works like this and the weather is like this and you are that what is different from the prescribed narrative from authorities uh, and what you have noted in your own life. So anyone who tells me that this is the way something is, I'm going to test it with my own mind basically um i i am you know at this point my psyche and my individual experience and reality are kind of a constant running experiment in the most fun way for me um and so i'm not going to say i seek out or welcome those things but as they present themselves i'm sort of happy to happy to challenge them basically um you know, I think there there can be an arrogance with the power of the mind, too, which is that you do need to challenge or practice things to actually see, like, there are some things that just don't work, like you can that you can only be so powerful as as an individual. But there are other things that, you know, like what Robin was talking about, you can get you can manifest a cloud. And by the way, nature is like nature is pretty responsive when it comes to manifestation. Um, I can look in a in a bird book that i have and i actually do this all the time just because i love it so much i can look in a bird book and basically pick out three or four birds before i go on a walk and when i go on a walk i will see every single one of those birds damn uh you know now now i could pick one that like i could pick a toucan you're an albatross or something yeah right am i you know that's the way i could choose to kill the magic if i really wanted to by being sort of uh, gluttonous in the attempt of the power. What if that's not gluttony though? What if that's just, and it's not to say that I won't ever see a toucan. It's just that like this expectation that if I could look in the book and go on a walk outside in Virginia and find a toucan in nature, that that would be, you know, that would be a way I could kill the magic. It doesn't mean that the powers that be or my subconscious aren't attempting to align me with that at some point, but it's also like, 
I think this is one of the things that people don't appreciate about time with manifestation too, is that patience is a virtue for a reason. And like being able to be patient enough and trusting enough of the things that you ask for, but that nature is this really beautiful place you get to practice like almost kind of instantaneous uh, manifestation if you're realistic about it. You know, I'm looking for like cardinals and pileated woodpeckers and hummingbirds, not, you know, something that I know is pretty much, you know, would basically be be because of like a rift in the time space that it showed up. You know, this, but this is, this brings up an awesome point because, you know, then uh, (laughs) Brandon's like, no, make the rift in the time space. Oh yeah. I'm going there. Uh, Maybe, you know, like when you go for your walk, uh, you do see a toucan, but it's in the form of like a littered Fruit Loops box. You know what I mean? Or like on someone's shirt. Yes. Those things happen all the time, actually. Yeah. And it's like, so it validates that you're still powerful enough, but you're like this is the best I could do <laughs> that it's limiting right because you don't expect to see it because it's not indigenous to that area now if yeah. you could throw an albatross in in Tennessee out there and just have it hang out with you for a little bit that would be awesome just to fly around like and it's on the news and everything hey you know albatross escape zoo you know that's oh, incredibly like everywhere but like the albatross trace uh, escaping a zoo or a toucan, people have those all over the place. They get out of cages and shit all the time. And so really that now makes it even more believable because it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. I'd say pick it back up because I'm very interested if you if you do start playing with this, um, then if you could do like I'm a I'm going to end up like being possessed to walk to the National Zoo, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Let it happen organically. And then maybe it like flies by or maybe like there was one in, in uh, captivity or something like that. people. Like there's something like I heard a statistic that there are more tigers in private captivity in Texas than there are in all of the That's nature. Bad. Yeah, and so you know, think of it like that, like an albatross. Yeah, I wonder or why like Texas that. is having. Oh, yeah. we're, we've had, we had it coming. Yeah. Um, well, you also, but you also have a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people in Texas that believe in that scriptural context of the wrath of God too. Yeah. Yeah. It's out here. Um, but I, I still think it'd be interesting if you did that and then, and then eventually do like a pterodactyl or something. I think that would be cool as shit. Maybe that's what people that are, um, finding oh. Bigfoots and fairies and stuff like that. They believe I'm, in it so much. Like a vulture and you know, it, it's, it's the modern, it's correct. Modern life. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, so to this point and, uh, we'll probably wrap it on here, but God, you guys are awesome. This has been great. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys about kind of, um, the structure of this place when it comes to, uh, the reality in which we see. So I had a guy recently on just for context named Ben Rosenberg. He and I got into a discussion about like ancient AI and that AI has been here for a really long time and that cloning has been around forever. So really it's like, you know, these meat suits walking around, but they're like AI controlled, you know, cause the brain's a receiver and all that. It was super cool conversation. But one of the things that he mentioned that really that I wanted to bring up here and ask you guys about is, is this idea of like an augmented reality. So that's really what we're viewing. If we go down, strip it down to the holographic universe idea and that really it's all just waves and, you know, we're in a toroidal field of energy that just kind of reciprocates what you take in and then it presents life back to you or you manifest or mirror back to you, all of these things. And in that vein, whenever you do go to manifest this stuff. The reason that it pops up in front of you is perhaps because this is a huge augmented reality controlled matrix to the to the you know tune of to if you are expected to see a Bigfoot, you see a Bigfoot. If you're expecting to see an albatross in Tennessee, you see one. If you are expecting to you know see the sun is completely different and the moon tilted, that's what occurs for you because it 
your right. physical reality is augmented. And this also could explain why people, uh, you know, see a UFO in the sky and somebody next to them does not. You know, it's only an augmented reality for this IP address or for this, you know, uh, user interface. So what do y'all think about this? Could this just be this huge AI controlled holographic universe that only spits back what you expect to see and that's what this place is or some augmented reality thing? Um, well, I, you know, it's definitely augmentable reality, right? We know that that's what manifestation is. I would like, I actually would love to see technology move in, in the direction of allowing us to augment or project our imagination into reality in a way that could be collectively shared. Um, you know, like if I, if you have a little avatar friend that you want, that's like some cute character that follows you around that you could see it and others could see it too, just because of your imagination. I think there's beautiful spaces we can move into, but that, yes, I think currently right now it can be used in a way that is, you know, people don't know enough, basically. And there, I think people don't know enough and there aren't enough, there haven't been enough teachers, but there also is like this thing happening where it's happening to people that also have never taken these things seriously. And so there's like a weird um, sort of, cognitive dissonance that's happening, I think, for a lot of people at a collective level where, you know, they're aware that they are seeing these shifts, but they're also basically compartmentalizing it and being like, no, nah, that's not real because it feels like hooey to them. Um, so, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot, honestly, because I think there are a lot of people who are, you know, owning it and, and working with it and are going to evolve and adapt with it in a way that moves us away from what feels like a system um, you know, that's like, and that's like too controlled to more of a structure, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, this is basically, it's, it's denoting of the age we're moving out of, we're moving out of the Capricornic age, Capricornic age was all that, that sign, that zodiacal archetype, that lesson, if you will, at the soul level, is one that has everything to do with letting go of control, and learning how to let the structure allow you to flow and exist and and like fluidly express instead of feeling like okay i have to do this to get this and then i have to do this to get this and then i like it's very conscious minded that capricornic energy and we're moving out of that at an astronomical level into the aquarius energy which is much more of this like free flowing everyone figure it out on your own kind of energy so i don't think necessarily that there has been an intent to control other than the fact that there was a lesson at a at a big level for source about what it means to control too much, even within self. Um, and, you know, that whole darkest before the dawn thing, I think, is pretty true, too, that we're like really at that stage where everyone feels so confined and so limited and so boxed in that it's just going to like burst. It, it kind of already has burst open basically to this to this open mindedness that now needs to like you know, it sent out like this huge tidal wave, basically, of shift and belief. And now it's got to like, kind of resettle and find a steadiness to itself again, instead of like this turbulence that a lot of people have been experiencing. But I, I don't think it's like intentional. Um, like, you're a slave here, kind of control, if that makes sense. And I'm still, of course, of the mindset, you know, Brandon, that there's no such thing as artificial intelligence, that there's just intelligence and clearly if it's a if it's an intelligence that preconceived us or helped create us then we it would behoove us not to call it artificial since we would basically just be then calling ourselves artificial at the hands of it 
Absolutely. It's it's that separation we do need to delineate in our observation because it just seems to be occurring in that way and it's just an easier way to express it. But yes, absolutely. And uh, I love your per- um, your perception on AI and that's why I asked. So, uh, Dr. Robin, what do you think? Is it, is it even possible? Could this just be some huge thing and that's why you're able to manifest whatever you want because it's augmented. It's meant just for you. You're the hero here. You know, it's your story. I have to look at what I know for sure. And I know for sure that I am a divine and eternal being of love and light. And I know for sure that I'm on a mission here to anchor in light and to shift consciousness, to elevate consciousness. And if this is the playground we are working in right now, which is that Consciousness is at this point a commodity, and there are a lot of things competing for our consciousness that we have to be incredibly discerning about what we're thinking about, who we're hanging out with, and where we're focusing our time, attention, and energy. So when it comes to manifestation, here's what I always teach. I always teach it's who you become in the process. So when I talk about manifestation, I can't talk about that without the context of actualization, which is a process of becoming. So is this augmented? I don't know. I'm a psychologist. I don't know. But what I do know is that we as humans, as human beings who are divine and eternal beings of love and light, we do have the capacity to make decisions about how we want to live in this world. We are not at the whim. We are not meant to be at the whim of some other consciousness or some other being or some other faction or some other reptilian who may or may not be trying to control us, siphon off our energy, siphon off our fear, eat our fear like it is the nectar of the gods. So uh, where do I want to go with this other than I just, I think it's real important just to come back to answering the question, what is my purpose here? And I believe that our purpose is to create, to contribute and to master. So I don't know if that answered your question exactly, but that's what comes through right now. It did. And even in the vehicle of an augmented reality, that would still be the way in which it functioned. And so this is an unprovable, it's unfalsifiable, all of the wonderful things. But to look at it as artificial may, you know, turn some folks off, but um, an organic matrix, something like that. So I I love both of your perspectives on this and everything that we've talked about here today. Uh, We are definitely just going to have to do this again. We may be making this a damn series for the expansive insiders. We'll talk about that off air. But Dr. Robin McKay, Mara Taylor, thank you all so damn much. This was amazing. We'll have to do it. Yeah, thank you both so much it was a wonderful conversation great conversation thanks brandon i just want to thank those two ladies from the bottom of my heart for coming over and doing this this was absolutely incredible we will definitely be doing more conversations like this and thank you the audience for listening so definitely check the show notes for all of the ways to find them as well while you're down there check out the resource links that we've got of course food forest abundance We've got Opus down there. If you'd like to start your own podcast, there's a link titled that in the show notes. Definitely check that out. As well as the Manifestor's Guide. Huge, huge discount on investing in yourself through the link in the bottom of the show notes. As well, 
to just sweeten the deal, type in expanding reality, all caps, no spaces at checkout, and he's gonna hook you up with an even sweeter deal than that. So definitely check those resource links out, guys. Uh, we put them down there so that you can benefit from them. So enjoy. Also, while you're down there, check out the link titled expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be links to all socials, merchandise, all the fun stuff. But while you're there, sign up to become an expansive insider. I believe there's a 10% off thing going for that. And that is where all these huge bonus episodes, collaborations, uh, Mira's joined me for one of those. I think Dr. Robin's going to come on for one soon. So all of it's incredible definitely sign up to become an expansive insider as well you can just support the mission if you guys don't want to sign up and you don't want to take advantage of all the really cool stuff over there totally cool no judgment at all but if you do find value out of the show and you're getting something out of it feel free to contribute in any way that you'd like to there is no cap on that so really go for it on that one right all right guys go out into this beautiful place whatever the hell this thing is and y'all pick up a piece of litter you see it floating around on the ground there uh go ahead and be nice to everybody that you come across Get out of the left-hand lane if you got somebody behind you wanting to pass. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, buy somebody in line a coffee or a meal or something like that around you. It makes a huge ripple effect in the collective, and it just makes your day. I'm telling you, it, it's the craziest thing. It makes your day, which is wild. You buying something for someone else makes your day. It's amazing. So above all and anything else, guys, go out into this incredibly mysterious place, whatever the hell this thing is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, listening, engaging, and being just the coolest sons of bitches out there. We will see you next time.